Hi, friends. This is Missini from The Noshery. And this is Rebecca from Foodie with Family. And welcome back after our uh, little break that we took for the holiday season. We're super excited to be back. And today we're talking about our top 10 kitchen tools that every kitchen should have. Yes, I'm pretty excited about this. And um, I think we both have a lot of opinions about this. I mean, we usually have a lot of opinions about everything. <laughs> That's true. We're, we're fairly opinionated people. But we have had quite a few discussions in regards to kitchen tools and just about what makes a good kitchen tool and what's really worth it and worth the space in your kitchen. So Rebecca. Yes, Miss Sadie. <laughs> I suspect that we have quite a bit of overlap when it comes to the kitchen tools that are needed in every kitchen. I think you're probably right, but I think we probably each have a couple of pet tools, so to speak, that the other might not have. Yeah, I can think of one specifically, but we'll get there when we get there. Oh yeah, we will. (laughs) So, all right, let's get into it. Hey, Miss Sadie, you're going to have to put up with me a little bit. I've got this crud and I'm getting over it. But I know. I'm sorry. Uh, Come here. Let me breathe on you. No, I'm glad we're we're doing this over the intern webs this time. (laughs) It's for a good reason. But thank you for putting up with me. And hopefully... I don't know. I think you sound kind of sepsy. Oh, <laughs> hopefully by the next episode, I will sound more like me again. Usually we have a little bit of a history lesson before we kind of get into all the nitty gritty. But is there really any kind of kitchen tool history out there? Believe it or not, there's a ton. But don't worry, I'm not going to pull out the charts and the pointers for this. I just want to point out <laughs> that while some kitchen gadgets have gone the way of the dodo... Many kitchen gadget innovations throughout time have tried to solve the problem of making breakfast easier. Just breakfast, though? Well, specifically. Like not any other meal? <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, it bleeds into other meals, but, but breakfast seems to be the big problem everybody wants to solve. And if you think about it, it makes sense. Because I can't stand cooking right when I roll out of bed in the morning. I need a couple of stiff cups of tea, maybe some time to get my head on straight before I consider holding a knife. Tea? That, I just find that amusing. It's like, I need a stiff cup of tea as opposed to a stiff, you know, it just, to me, tea always seems a little, um, how do I say? Flavored water? Oh, that's just, okay, fine. But I can't drink coffee and tea delivers the requisite caffeine. Plus, some of that British tea really will put some hair on your chest. But that's not today's discussion. Today's discussion is kitchen appliances. So let's say you're looking at the evolution of the toaster through time. Okay. it's, It's kind of interesting, believe it or not. So toast has been eaten by humanity for about as long as bread has been eaten by humanity. But utensils or devices for holding the breads over flames or a heat source didn't start appearing until the early 19th century. Okay. And before that, you just kind of wrangled the bread over the heat source, whichever way you felt would 
be least likely to burn your fingers. And just make some toasty breaded toast. I, exactly. I, know, I, don't, I just kind of made up that toasty breaded toast. Toasty breaded toast that's repetitively <laughs> redundant. <laughs> so the, the thing is, in the early 19th century, some genius realized that you could make your life easier by creating a little fork or a little device that would hold your bread over an open flame or a heat source. It was yeah. clever. And then bum, bum, bum. It's something the that toaster. you still kind of do during, uh, like when you go camping. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the big innovation, the big ta-da came with the electric toaster in 1898. And it was invented by Alan McMasters in Scotland. Oh, really? I don't yes. know why. I just would have assumed, I mean, I guess, I mean, that doesn't, I don't know why. I was just assuming like the inventor of electricity would also invent the electric toaster, but that really one does not have anything to do with the other except for the power source. So no, I don't know why I was going there. They really don't. <laughs> they don't necessarily have a direct link, but they have an indirect link because the electric toaster came about when the electric light bulb came about. Because it was a heating element. So this was this was interesting. The the primary problem with Mr. McMaster's toaster was that the heating elements were a little bit unreliable. And it was hard Did to they make give one you over toasted toast or well, fire no, toast. It was more <laughs> that they didn't really hold up to the repeated heating of the red hot temp needed to toast bread um, without melting or becoming brittle. And they had another kind of bigger issue in that they used iron wire, which had a distressing tendency to melt when repeatedly heated, and it constituted an actual fire hazard. <laughs> that is a way to get some more iron into your diet. Right. No, but no, that's... The, <laughs> the, the issue was more that the melting iron constituted a fire hazard. So do you really want that toast that bad? I mean, obviously not. I would opt to hold it over the flame myself at that point if it was a choice between setting my house on fire with a toaster or just holding it over a flame that was a little bit more predictable. However, well, clearly they got they figured it out because we're now toasting toast to our heart's content like almost every morning. I know I toast like I literally make toast every morning. Yeah. And the issue was solved in 1905 by a young American engineer. So Yay, American engineer named Albert Marsh. Albert Marsh (laughs) designed an alloy of nickel and chromium, which held up to the repeat heating a whole lot better than the iron wire did. So for a long time, even after Albert Marsh's innovation, toasters were basically still exposed wires holding slices of bread on either side of a heating element. And you had to pick up your piece of bread and turn it around to toast the second side. I've seen a lot of these old school toasters at, believe it or not, a lot of antique shops. Like I'm very familiar which one that you're talking about. It's kind of like almost like an A-frame. Yeah. Yep. Sort of shape. Yeah. And they would put the toast on it and then you would have to pay attention and of course flip it and everything like that. Right. I have seen them. In 1913, lazy people everywhere rejoiced when the husband and wife team of Lloyd and Hazel Copeman introduced a toaster with an automatic bread turner. And oh, then that's in, fancy. I know. I mean, you didn't. You did not have to pick up that slice of bread and flip it. The toaster did it for you. <laughs> and in 25, 1925, that is, 
the Waters Genter Company marketed the first ever fully automatic pop-up timer-controlled toaster that could brown bread on both sides at the same time and eject the bread when it was done. I'm and not going to from- lie, Rebecca, you just sounded like a really killer ad. I try. Like, <laughs> I totally saw, like, I was picturing you know, newspaper print with like little bubbles of you talking and saying like how it toasts on itself and it pops up and it's, you know, if I could go back in time, if I could go back in time, maybe the Waters Genter company would hire me to do their advertisement. I I don't know. I I totally see you like Vanna Whiting the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. The, The problem is from that point on, from 1925 on, Uh, There hasn't really been any giant leap forward in the world of toast technology, but I don't know what else you would want to do with toast other than toast it. So this brings me full circle to our show topic today, our top 10 appliance list. Just real quick, you know, there is a toaster out there that will burn or toast Hello Kitty faces into it and and just shapes in general. And or the Death Star, (laughs) but I'm not sure that that really materially <laughs> changes the quality of your toast, right? Okay. I mean, so, I'm just I'm just pointing out that there has been some small advancement. So, spoiler alert, <laughs> a toaster is not on my list. I got to I got to be honest. No, I have a toaster. I'm just saying the toaster is not on my top 10 appliance list. Oh. Like if my toaster kicked the bucket tomorrow, I probably wouldn't hurry out to buy another one. Oh, I would. I would be out that day to go. I have to have my sourdough toast every morning. I love toast, but I actually prefer it cooked in a frying pan or under a broiler. So no, I don't have time to like, I mean, honestly, under a broiler, I'm more apt to burn it. So yeah, I got to have a toaster. Okay. But if you're frying an egg, just get a bigger pan and do the toast on the other part of the pan. No. Why, if I can, if I could put the toast in a toaster and get all of the eggs done all at the same time and everything's cooking at the same time, I prefer to do the toaster. My toast and egg are cooking at the same time on the frying pan. Yeah, but I'm rarely making myself, like, first of all, I don't eat eggs in the morning. So I'm not having eggs and toast. I'm just having toast. So I guess, yeah, technically I could just put it on, like I'm not fighting for skillet space with eggs, but I also don't want to babysit it. Like first thing in the morning, I want to just put it in the toaster, make my cup of coffee. And then when I turn around, it's popped up and I put my butter on it and my coffee's ready and I'm walking out the door and I don't have a skillet that I have to clean. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I follow. However, point match for Mercedes. No, not point match. Because the problem is toast out of a toaster does not taste as good to me as toast from a frying pan or a broiler. I will say it is very different. I mean, I'm assuming that if you're toasting it in a skillet, you're using the butter to toast the toast, correct? Oh, heck yes. Okay. So yeah, of course, that is very different. You're going to end up with a different texture. I just don't want to do that extra work and I don't want to clean the pan. So I do a toaster. Okay, well, I believe we have beat that horse to death. So why don't you start with the list? Okay, so apparently Toaster is on Mercedes' list, even though it's not on mine. So why don't you cover your list for us? It's actually funny that you say that because it is now on my list. But when we were initially talking about this episode and I was putting stuff on my list, I didn't think of it for some reason. But yes, absolutely, I need a Toaster. 
All right. So put that one on the list. All right. So I'll tackle my list first. And I'm going to start from the bottom and head to the top. Although I will say that the toaster is not at the bottom. Anyway, okay. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) I think at the bottom of the list, and I think it's very handy, but it's not like my name, my, for me, it's not a number one thing, is a cookie scoop. And I say that because a cookie scoop is great to have when you need it. Uh, it is. You, if, you, if you're really into baking cookies, which I am not, it's handy to have. If you're into any kind of portioning, though, it's very handy to have. Even if you're making like meatballs or um, pancake batter or, you know, anything that you kind of want to have a consistent and easy portioning, a cookie scoop is a great thing to have. It's also good um, for filling muffin tins. And that's what I'm saying. Like anything that requires some type of portioning or round shaping, a cookie scoop is great to have. And it's very versatile in that sense. Uh, another thing that I would say is the citrus press. And the only reason I say, I mean, I actually do a lot of citrus pressing, so to speak, for cooking. But I will say that sometimes I grab the citrus press and it's handy in order to keep the seeds from getting into your food. But if I'm being lazy, I just squeeze the lemon and I'm careful with the seeds not getting into my food. So it's kind of one of these that it's handy to have, especially if you're doing a large quantity of juicing. But if you're doing like a small amount of juicing for, you know, to finish off a dish or to make a salad dressing or something like that, it's not completely necessary. So I I wouldn't put it at the top of my list, but it's definitely handy to have. Well, uh, I sure. I also have one. I have a citrus reamer too. So mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm doing something that's seedy like a lemon, I'll use the citrus exactly. press. But if I'm doing a lime half or something of that nature, I'll just use the citrus reamer. And I think both yeah. extract an almost equal amount of juice. I actually don't have a reamer. I just have the little hand press. I haven't bothered with the reamer because I don't do enough quantities or larger citrus to need that. Do you know what I mean? Right. And then from there, I would say that a small coffee grinder that you can use as a spice grinder is really great to have. Um, Especially if you have, I have a pretty extensive spice collection in both. Oh, yeah. (laughs) In both whole spices and ground spices. And so the spice grinder, and it's like one of these small coffee grinders that you just press the lid down. They're really handy because if you run out of something, but you have the whole spices, you can go ahead and grind it yourself. Um, And it's a great way to make your own spice blends too. I also Uh, have one. And I have it labeled mm-hmm. on the top in Sharpie, spices only if you put coffee in this, I will hurt you. Absolutely. I have, we have two separate, I have a big, like a big coffee grinder and then I have the little spice grinder. I mean, I don't have it labeled, but I mean, it's just my husband and I here at home and he kind of knows that I'd probably kill him if he used it. <laughs> so you don't need to label yours in big angry letters like I did because I did come no. downstairs one time and find that someone had ground coffee in my spice grinder. And then I had to just, I had to replace it. You can't get it out because it gets into all the little nooks and crannies of the grinder. Well, plus coffee has oils in it. And the oils want to bind to everything. 
Moving on, uh, for me, a hamburger press, like a hamburger shaper, believe it or not. I mean, I make a, we make a lot of hamburgers here. And for a long time, I did do the whole like roll it in a ball, shake it, press it by hand and everything. But after a while, I'm not going to lie, it just got old. So I bought, and it's one of the few unit, like unitaskers that I have. Oh, yeah. But the hamburger press, and then also my hamburger press has like this little divot in the lid. So when you do press the hamburger, it creates that divot that you need in the center of the hamburger. Oh, that's nice. Which is really handy. So that way I don't have to just press it and then like, you know, make the divot. It does it automatically. I think I'm making hamburgers for us every weekend. So it's definitely like a must have for me. The kitchen scale goes hand in hand with the hamburger press. Oh, amen on the kitchen scale. (laughs) I weigh a lot of our, um, because we kind of keep track of our portioning. And so the kitchen scale comes in really handy. So when I get a pound of, um, you know, hamburger meat, I can actually make quarter pounders. I'm not eyeballing it. Same thing when it goes to like when I make a bulk, like sometimes we'll do an entire brisket and then I'll portion it into, you know, the briskets maybe gives me about four pounds of meat and I portion it into one pound portions to freeze and use, you know, throughout the month or whatever. That's so, so adorable. So the kitchen scale. Because but- <laughs> four pounds of brisket <laughs> would barely make it through a meal here. <laughs> It's it's so cute, you and your portion control. And then uh, there's me with five teen and adult sons and a husband. And and frankly, I can eat most men under the table. So, you know, four pounds is adorable. Yeah, well, you and a four pound of brisket will get us through probably half the month. Good golly. Um, I mean... Well, it's also because we're eating other proteins too. Like I make four pounds of brisket and then I make four pounds of pork and four pounds of, you know, smoked chicken. You know what I mean? Like it adds up and then I freeze it. It's like ready to go any time of the week. And I okay. have to like think about. You, side, you see what I'm saying? I do. But I have to tell you a sidebar real quickly. Um, my son just turned 19. He always wants shepherd's pie for his birthday. To make a shepherd's pie big enough for our family. I have to start with four pounds of ground beef. (laughs) Now, I understand that's technically a cottage pie. Don't come at me over this. Yeah, that would last us probably, I don't know, a long time. (laughs) It lasted about 36 hours here. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, that was my sidebar. Go ahead. (laughs) Uh, So the kitchen scale, hamburger press, also, a meat thermometer. Oh, wait, wait. Before the meat thermometer, though, because uh, the meat thermometer for me is like pretty up there. Yeah. I would say, hmm, looking at my list, I would say that the Instapot and Air Fryer go in there. They're kind of on the same level just because they are, oh my gosh, no, the hand mixer would be next. <laughs> put this stuff in order. Yeah. The hand mixer would be next because, I mean, it's mostly for baking. So I don't really use it that often. And I even have a a KitchenAid stand mixer, but it's just, I maybe use it a handful of times, like throughout the year, Um, unless I'm going through some kind of bread baking, you know, like kick or pasta making kick. So like like a quarantine baking kind of thing? Yeah. Like it got some use over these last few months, but 
on the regular, it doesn't get that much use. A KitchenAid stand mixer or any brand of stand mixer, like it just sounds fabulous to have it on your kitchen counter. However, it is a very large, expensive piece of equipment that uh, most of the things can be accomplished with a hand mixer. So if you are on that fence, especially if you have a space challenge, which there was a time that I was living in an RV, which the KitchenAid was in storage and I just had had the hand mixer for a long time. I would definitely say you need a hand mixer way more than you need like a stand mixer, unless you are a super avid baker. Okay, because you know I, mean? I, yeah, I was going to disagree with you there. In my world, yeah, the I stand would, mixer is far world, more useful than a hand mixer. Yeah, and I'm sure that um, that's what I'm saying. Like, it depends on how you are in the kitchen. For me, it only gets used a handful of times. If you're an avid, especially if you're an avid yeasty bread baker, then the, the KitchenAid or the stand mixer is a great thing to have. It is. Um, and but if you're not a big baker, it's not really, I don't really think it's worth it. Fair enough. But the stand mixer is actually on my list. But let's, let's yeah, finish and off. I, I would even dare, just real quick, I would dare to say that, that, the, that if you are just like a cake, you know, or cookie baker, that the stand mixer is nice to have, but it's not necessary. You can get a lot of what you need out of a hand mixer, as opposed to if you are a bread baker, it's really handy to have because it does that kneading for you. You know what I mean? Which saves you a ton of time. And from there, real quick, I'm going to go, the appliances are air fryer and Instapot. The air fryer I've recently discovered, I'm in love with it. I want it all the time. I use it constantly. It makes the best chicken wings. The end. Must have. I'm going to take credit for turning you on to the air fryer. <laughs> I am currently obsessed, like obsessed. I knew you would be. Then, I mean, I really thought it was going to be all like, what's the word I'm looking for? Tater tots? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was like, you know, talked up too much or whatever. Ah, overhyped. Yes, thank you. So I always thought that the air fryer was just overhyped, but... It is not. It is one of the best things that I have purchased recently. And then hand in hand with that is the Instapot, especially if you're not a big planner, which I am not. The Instapot is great because you can still have, you know, it has the slow cooker option, but I never plan enough for a slow cooker. So the Instapot pressure cooker option is great. And then my last three, which are, I use almost constantly is um, the, have you ever seen those little rubber kind of tube things to peel garlic? Yes, but I'm giving you a look. I know, I know. But here's the deal. I don't do large quantities of garlic. It's not like I have, do you know what I mean? Like I'm only doing like a clove or two or well, not really. I'm usually doing like maybe at the most four cloves and I don't like to peel them ahead of time because they don't get used enough for me. Do you know right. what I mean? And I don't like to keep them in the refrigerator. So I like the little tube. And I like the tube. And I'm not going to give up the tube. And I hate the press. So I have <laughs> Okay. I also hate garlic presses. I mean, that's you're mangling the garlic. But I, yeah, I, I open my garlic with the side of my knife. I mean, yeah, but I don't like to have to mess with it too much. It's just the thing. I don't like to mess with it with my hands too much. Okay, hands okay. To each their so I own. Like the tube. That's I like the tube. That makes two <sighs> unitaskers, sister. And then, well, then also a Japanese mandolin. Oh, I love those. Have. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
I love those things. And especially when it has like the extra attachments where you can shred along with Julianne and all that kind of stuff. I will link to which one I'm talking about because it's the small, compact, green. You know which one I'm talking about? I do. Japanese mandolin. I forget the actual name brand of it. Is it Kyocera? it's not one of these. No, it starts with a B. I can't remember. But it's not one of these big giant mandolins that you get like from OXO or whatever. It's like really, it's something like a chef would keep in their knife kit. You know okay. what I mean? Yep. Yep. I know what um, you mean. Along with that is the meat thermometer. Like every kitchen should have, and I say meat thermometer, but it's just a thermometer, an electric thermometer, because you can use, or a digital thermometer, you can use it to temp meat, you can use it to temp baked goods, you can use it to temp water, like you can use it to temp all kinds of things, except for like, if you're making like hard candy or deep fried oil or whatever, for that, you need an actual candy thermometer. But yeah, I I think a lot of kitchens don't have one. And it's it's something that every kitchen should definitely have. I, I think that's more than um, 10. Yeah, I, I was... <laughs> I was just going to say, I think you're at like 13, but that's fine. That's fine. It's no a top rules. 13. We make the rules. It's it's our show. Yeah. We can do this. Our, so We do what we want. Oh, and a knife. But that's different. Okay. We're, we're like Honey Badger. Oh, it, now see, I was going to go all simple and give you my whole snobby chef knife cutting board mixing bowl list. Um, yeah, but I, I decided think when you asked me for the list, though, I kind of went more with gadgety stuff as opposed right. to like basic things, because okay. I'm kind of thinking everybody has like basic things. Not right. everybody, but well, most. OK, you know what I mean? so I I'm still including those three things, because I think if you don't have those, you might as well not bother with the other stuff. But I do True love that. I do love me a good kitchen multitasker. So I do have a list and I'll put 11 on my list to kind of, you know, keep with your theme. Why, you got to be of, like me? Yeah, I'm going to be like oh, Honey Badger. I'd be like Miss Sadie. I don't care. I make the rules. Okay, so for starters, honey though. Honey Badger, what are you talking about? Honey Badger. Honey Badger don't care. Don't you know that meme? I. Honey Badger, no. <laughs> okay, when we're done, I've got to find this for you. But. Okay. <laughs> number one is always and always will be for me a good chef knife. A good, sharp chef knife. Like, no matter what, mm. that's my number one kitchen tool. I reach for that more than anything else in my kitchen. And with that Absolutely. goes number two, which is a wood, composite, or plastic cutting board. If you I mean, put a you glass... you probably have all three. I do. <laughs> yeah. In in multiples. Yeah. Yeah. But what drives me nuts is when I see a glass cutting board because that destroys the edge oh. of a knife. It's, oh, it's, it's yeah it gives worst. me pain it gives me actual pain. yeah and the, i don't even understand the reasoning behind it because the sound alone is painful oh it is that scraping and the clinking it's it's yes. horrible horrible throw away or if you don't want to throw it away hang it up on the wall or something if it's your piece of art you don't have I to mean, get rid of it just it as like a a platter or something yeah you know just I mean? don't use but, it under yeah, a knife for the love of all that's good not okay so number three um, this is super high tech, so wait for it. A giant stainless steel mixing bowl. Okay. Yeah, it, but you're talking about like you can bathe a baby in it. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, if you have it's so much Yeah, it's easier to mix when you have extra space than when you're trying to, you know, carefully fold something in or whisk gently because you're afraid of a spill. The giant bowl mm-hmm. If I had to have just one mixing bowl in my kitchen, it would be my biggest stainless steel one. 
Is it one of those big ones that's kind of shallow? Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I know exactly which one you're talking about. Those things are awesome. You can hold it in one arm, kind of cradle it, and then get that other arm in there with a whisk and beat the crap out of whatever you need to. I mean, it just, it's (laughs) the best tool. I love it. Um, I also, this is going to sound like a unitasker at the beginning, but it isn't. And that's a silicone countertop mat for dough. It has those measurements and everything on it too, it right? It does. Yeah. So I don't I don't actually cut on it. You don't want to do that. But I make a ton of bread. I make pie crusts. I make biscuits. I make cookies. I make a lot of things that need to be turned out onto the counter. And yeah. anytime I'm using some or I'm making something that needs to be worked on the counter, I use that. And it serves more purposes than just making easier cleanup. But it does do that quite well. Well, I think it comes in handy too because it doesn't really matter what you're mixing or working on. You know, it's kind of like the foil that you put on your sheet pan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not only that, it protects your counter. So whatever yeah, exactly. whatever countertop surface you have is going to be protected by this countertop mat. So I'll include a link to the one I have because I love it. And I've seen it in the videos that you do and stuff yeah. like that with the bread baking. Mm-hmm. So along with that, I use a bench scraper. It's also variously known as a bench knife, but I reach for that thing to scrape out bowls. I cut pieces of dough with it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think every kitchen needs to have a bench scraper. Do you have, because I have, depending on what I, because I have a like straight edge metal one. I do too. And then I have like a curved edge plastic one that's what I would usually use for like kind of doughs and stuff like that. Yep, I have both. Okay. And what I like to do with the flexible plastic rounded edge one is I Mm -hmm. will also use that to scrape things out of bowls. If I've, you know, if I've made a sauce in a bowl, you know, I can get the bowl really clean by scraping the edge of the bowl with that bench scraper. I, I just love the thing. I mean, it's like a spatula. It it's is. Like one of those scraper spatulas. It, yeah. But it's somehow absolutely. it's somehow more maneuverable than a spatula because you've got your arm in there. Well, yeah. I think also you have more surface, more yeah. spread to scoop up more as opposed to like if you just have, you're using a spatula. Exactly. So. I love that thing. Love it. Oh, and the other <laughs> thing I use my bench scraper for is when I've chopped a bunch of herbs or I've chopped something Absolutely. that I need to transfer to a bowl or to a pan. Instead of using the edge of a knife, which will cut you, thank you very much, to transport whatever you've chopped to a pan or a plate or a bowl or a whatever, I use the bench scraper, which is lovely and gentle and <laughs> has no potential to give me the need for Slice stitches. Yeah. yeah. So. I love the bench scraper. I also have a kitchen scale on my list. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean you bake by weight. I know you bake by right, weight. Right, I do. So and of that's course you do. That's the thing. You use it for portioning. I use it to make sure that my baking turns out the same way every time. And mm-hmm. to know the weights for basic measurements really frees you up when you're baking. It becomes much less while while it sounds counterintuitive and it sounds fussier, it actually is a far less fussy way to bake than all of the scooping and leveling and all of that jazz. I was going to say that because there was a long time where I was very reluctant to, I just thought it was like annoying. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. You thought it was the man um, trying to keep you down? I don't know if it was necessarily that serious. But- <laughs> 
I just found it kind of annoying or whatever. I think also because it kind of required, in my head, I like had to do more math and that stresses me out. But anyways, using like baking with a scale is a lot cleaner. It's actually a lot faster. And like you said, it's much more consistent. And you have end up with less dishes because you don't have all these like cups that you have to clean or yeah. whatever afterwards. Yeah, exactly. You can just pour it into the scale. Now, mind you, you you got to get a kitchen scale that has the ability to tear. And what that means yeah. is you've got to be able to put a bowl on there and hit the button that says zero and have it pretend that the bowl isn't there. So that after the yeah. addition of each ingredient, you can hit the tear button again, and it's like you're starting from scratch. So there's really yeah, not awesome. all that much math needed. Yeah, it's really not that complicated. You hit the it's tear button, and the then you're like, oh, it's zero. Hey, that's magic. Okay, yeah. I'm starting over again. I would say kitchen scale's right up there for me along with a good instant read thermometer, much like you said. And I like the one that is wicked fast. I've got one Mm -hmm. that it's literally an instant read thermometer. You put the probe in and three seconds later, you know the max temperature of the item that you're temping. And I think that that is, I think that's another thing before I started cooking professionally, I was really resistant to using an instant read thermometer because I thought, well, you should just, you know, you should know when it's done. You should be able to tell. There's no guesswork with a thermometer. That's not cheating. It's using a tool that helps you be a better cook. And I don't understand. You don't have to cut into anything or anything like, like it's, yeah, it's definitely... And I mean, the instant read is great when you're doing like quick cooking. And then I like to leave, I like the ones that are more like pro, like meat thermometer probes right. that you put it in and it reads it for you and then tells you when it's done and when you have to pull it. That way you don't have to be constantly going in and out of the oven to see, especially if you're roasting something, yeah, to see when it's done. If you're doing something in a skillet, an instant read thermometer is just fine. Yeah. But if you're doing something for a long roast, um, one of the probe meat thermometers, you know, that stay in the meat is is better, in my opinion, because oh, yeah. then you can even some of them you can even put an alert, and it's like five degrees from being ready, so you know you can pull it and then let it carry over. Well, and I think if if you walk into a good restaurant kitchen anywhere, you're going to find that most Everybody of the chefs have thermometers dangling off of their aprons at yeah, some place or another. I, and there's I mean, a reason it wasn't for until it. A little while ago, that my my blue one, I had this big, this blue squared one that uh-huh. I had from culinary school crapped out on me. <laughs> oh man, you need to replace that. There's, no, I did. I was like, uh, I need another one. <laughs> yeah, I need one specifically like this because I'm used to using it. And that's that's just it. You know, you get to the point where you, it's almost like the tools in your kitchen are your teammates. So choose yes, wisely. I've choose the one that works consumed. well for you, that holds up to what you need to do, and you'll never be disappointed. You can trust them. They have your back. Yes. And speaking of trusting things and things that have your back in the kitchen, this was not on your list, but it's on mine all day, every day, and that's an immersion blender. You know what? I am almost, I used to have one and it crapped out on me and I haven't had it since, but I'm constantly saying, I really need to get a new immersion blender. Well, 
I make a lot of soup. Clearly, it's not like it's the toaster because the toaster would have gotten by now. But the immersion blender, I only need it on occasion. But when I need it, you need it bad, right? Really wish I had it. Yes. I use it more than I ever thought I would. Admittedly, the first thing you think of is soup, right? Like cream of potato soup. Now, but you can use it for all kinds of stuff. You can use it like for all, all sorts kinds of, of stuff. stuff. I use, I make salad dressings in mason jars with it. Um, sauces. You know, yeah, absolutely. Pan, or sauces right in the pan. Pesto. It, it ends up being the kind of thing that you reach for far more often than you might have imagined before you got one. And if and you... Some people will think like it might be... I don't know, kind of silly, but it's actually better. I mean, if you get a really good one, it's better than a blender. Oh my gosh, yeah. then you don't have to lug out this giant motor and this craft that then you have to clean. You know what I mean? Like it's so much easier. Well, more than just that, it's it's actually safer. Because if you think about it, let's say you're making, you know, a standard two quart pot of cream of potato soup. You have two quarts of boiling liquid and hot potatoes that you're going to transfer to a blender in batches because no there's kidding. no two-quart blender out there that's going to handle that unless you're in a professional kitchen in which case you're going to have gonna the immersion blender anyway. Yeah. You're going to like make a mess. It's yeah. a total pain in the butt. And yeah. God help us all. I'm sure most of us at one point or another have put something hot in the blender and forgot to vent it. And when that happens, you have a geyser of whatever coming out of the top of that blender and it's oh it's hot and it hurts <laughs> it's horrible it's not a good facial steam no definitely not so what else you got on that list okay so next up air fryer i mean i know i think i already sold the air fryer well you sold it for your reasons i'm going to sell it for my reasons and some of my reasons are going to sound ridiculous but i stand by them okay you have never had pizza reheated like pizza that's been reheated in an air fryer. You have mentioned this before. And you haven't you tried it yet? about it. Well, I haven't had to do it yet. You know uh, what I mean? Like, I just haven't had pizza yet, like, okay. to reheat. But I will make a note of it. Your assignment is to order a pizza <laughs> and reheat it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but seriously. Mission accepted. Yeah. All right. I also really, really love to cook shrimp in it for my sons. So like fried shrimp or actually more like broiled shrimp, but in the air fryer. Oh, so it takes all of the effort out of it. All of the guesswork. There's no flipping again, because I I mean, we cook in quantity. So it's not like I'm cooking six little baby shrimp over here. When I cook shrimp, I'm cooking three pounds. So yeah, I thought I put it in the air fryer. Mine has a shrimp setting on it. And yeah, so does it, mine. I shake it a couple of times while it's cooking. And then it's the most perfectly cooked shrimp. It's never overcooked. It's not boiled. It's just perfect. I love the air fryer. Air fryer. <laughs> <laughs> Quick question on your shrimp. Yes. So do you, I'm assuming, are you defrosting the shrimp before you put it in? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Just double checking. Yep. And I I agree with you that the air fryer makes the best um, chicken wings of all time. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It's life changing. It's perfect. They're perfect. And there's no effort. And there's no giant vat of fry oil to deal with later. Yeah. Which is always like my least favorite. I mean, I don't like frying in general, just because, you know, the smell gets in the house. But then having to deal with the oil afterwards, like, 
drives me insane. Yeah. So this air fryer situation is life changing. Amen. And then I bought this um, uh, asterisk side note real quick. Check out <laughs> wing dust. Because I don't like it. I don't like messy, saucy stuff. I mean, I know that can be half the fun, but wing dust is seasoning or dust. I mean, it's dust. It's, you know, that you can. Is it like fairy dust? I mean, yeah, for chicken wings. <laughs> Sign I me do up. The salt and vinegar one, oh. the barbecue one. They have a Parmesan cheese. They have all kinds of stuff. It's okay. So Sign me up for good. that. Best chicken wings. Okay. So now again, I have a repeat from your list, but I have it for my reasons. And that's the Instant Pot. The reason I love the Instant Pot so much is because we keep chickens and we like mm. to eat hard boiled eggs. And yeah, I don't so know. You're making like a two dozen hard boiled eggs and yeah, one shot. Easy. But there's more to it even than that. I don't know how many people out there also keep chickens. But if you do, you know that the fresher the egg, the harder it is to peel. Now, eggs prepared in the Instant Pot peel so easily that it's almost like you're working with store-bought eggs. Yeah. It's they, something it about the pressure the cooking. the shell just slides off. Yeah, it's incredible. It just It's almost like you can look at the eggs and they'll drop their shells. It's so easy. I, I flip and love it for that. Now, I also like it for things like stew and sauces and things that would normally take longer when I'm running late. But especially for eggs, it it is a game changer. That's a game changer for farm fresh eggs, among other things. But finally, <laughs> my baby, my best loved kitchen appliance is my stand mixer. And I know it's not even on your list, which I get for your reasons. But let me explain why to me it's indispensable. Because I mean, you're a bread baker. I am, but it's not just that's it's not just for bread for me because I do cook in large quantities. So if you take the same cookie recipe that you can manage quite easily with a hand mixer in the quantities you make it, I'm doubling it, maybe even tripling it. Oh, for sure. And I don't want to stand over my giant stainless steel mixing bowl with a hand mixer and, you know, hold the hand mixer for half an hour while I try to pull together a triple batch of cookie dough. So for me, it all goes into the KitchenAid bowl. I put the batter blade on it and it makes quick work of it. And when I make homemade That's marshmallows... That's how I feel about the toaster. Yeah, uh, except I'm not... I can't give you that one. I mean, I have a toaster, but I, I just don't feel the love for the toaster the way you feel the love for the toaster, you know? Yeah. Okay, fine. We, we've established that point. You can have your toaster. I'm going to have my stand mixer. I make homemade marshmallows in my stand mixer, and I cannot even imagine standing there no. with my hand on a hand Absolutely mixer over not. a steaming bowl of, you know, boiling hot I mean, syrup. I did justify, like I did explain, unless you're an avid baker or someone who's into confection or doing large quantities, you know, the KitchenAid, if you want the KitchenAid just because it looks cool and it's going to sit on your counter, it's not really, I don't think it's worth the 300 plus dollars if okay. you're only going to use it like once in a blue moon. Now, okay. in your case, it absolutely makes sense. You bake. There's no stinking way I would ever make marshmallows. And I do make marshmallows, but I definitely use my stand mixer for it. Right. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. So, I, and even like shredding chicken, like when we smoke chicken, I use yes. the stand mixer because that makes it a whole lot easier. That's right. You Pro know, tip. It has its great uses. uses. Pro tip. 
we want to share this pro tip. Uses while Mercedes tries to figure that out, I'll share this tip, and that is that if you have cooked um, pork or if you've cooked chicken and you want to shred it really fast, put it in your stand mixer bowl with the batter blade and just give it it a like just let it beat the tar out of it for a couple of minutes and you'll have perfectly shredded meat while it's, it's still warm it is yes. important that it's still warm yeah, yeah you for can't sure just put in cold chicken because you oh just throw cold chicken breast in there that's not going to be cute you know that'd be <laughs> a gross b yeah it could be problematic so anyway that's that's my list that is a uh a thorough list yes it is. I'm, I'm like, I find it next time, like, it's funny to me because all of these things, like, of course, the knife, the cutting board, the bowls, I'm complete agreement with that for sure. The knife being like a number one plus one, you know? Oh, what yeah. I mean? Oh, yeah. So it's, they weren't not on my list because I didn't think they were important. I was just kind of going with things that are less thought of. Okay. Does that make sense? Fair enough. Yes. Kind of outside of the regular realm of tools. Right. Well, I would argue... I think think that made sense. (laughs) I would argue that the reason I felt it was important to put those three things on the list wasn't just that they need to be in every kitchen, but they need to be good versions of that in every kitchen. Yes. So it doesn't do you any good to have a big old chef's knife if it's dull or you don't keep up the edge. It doesn't do you any good to have a cutting board if it's glass and it's going to wreck your knife. And it doesn't Side do you point, any good to the have... The other thing is, is that equally as important is not only that you have a good chef knife, but that you take really good care of it. Yes. Don't put it in the dishwasher. Ah. Don't use hard edges to, um, like when you're cutting, hone your knife before and after use. Completely, you know, clean it, wipe it dry. And if you don't have a block or a magnetic strip, put a sleeve on it before you put it in the drawer. Yes. And don't do like my husband did one time and use a vegetable cleaver to try to smack through a deer femur when you're processing your own deer. Wow. (laughs) So follow up to that story. He then bought me a nice new knife. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. That was a moment. (laughs) I'm guessing it was. So I think we've spent a pretty good amount of time discussing kitchen tools and appliances that every kitchen must have. But if you join us next week for another episode of My Plate is Always Full, we're going to be discussing whether these tools and appliances are worth it or not. It's kind of like one of those, wasn't there like a show about about fashion? Uh, like- no, there was, there was a show about film on In Living Color. It was a skit and it was um, men on film. And uh-huh. they would vote and it would either get two snaps in a circle or they'd say, hated it. <laughs> so, so we're, we're going to do our own little version of that, but with kitchen tools and appliances. But oh, not yeah. with all of the... <laughs> <laughs> not with the two snaps own, in a circle. Exactly. Just our own, you know, our own Mercedes and Rebecca version of it. Right. It's a, a little more low key. It'll be more like worth it or not worth it. We definitely want to figure out whether these gadgets and tools and tchotchkes, is that what they're called? Oh, yeah. Tchotchkes. Tchotchkes. Yeah, that's a okay. word. Are worth um, money and space in your kitchen. I cannot I think we'll have wait. have a lot to say about that one. 
Oh, yeah. I, and once again, there will be opinions. Lots and lots and lots of opinions. And debate. Many. So, all right. Well, make sure you tune in next week for another episode of My Plate is Always Full. And uh, I don't remember my whole spiel. What is my whole spiel? It's been like, what, two weeks since we've been here? Yeah. <laughs> It has. Make sure you like us on Facebook and Instagram. If you have any questions or episodes requests, shoot us an email at myplateisalwaysfull.com. You can listen to My Plate is Always Full on all major podcasting apps and at the website myplateisalwaysfull.com. Make sure you leave a review because uh, that helps the algorithm so other people can find us and listen to our ramblings and debates that has to do with the kitchen. You know what I mean? That's Make sure you right. Share, listen, subscribe, uh, all of the above. You can find me, Rebecca, at foodiewithfamily.com. And you can find me, Mercedes, at thenoshery.com. And of course, you can find us at myplateisalwaysfull.com. See you next week. And until then, stay hungry. And, um, oh, okay. And you can listen to us on all of your major nude, nude. <laughs> <laughs> No nudes, please. Nude. <laughs> and make sure you oh, please, listen. <laughs> please include that. <laughs> okay. I'm going to probably put it at the end like nudes. Okay. Nudes. <laughs> Shoot. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. You can subscribe and listen to My Plate is Always Full and all of your major. Yes, <laughs> now. <laughs> Okay. <clears throat> on your all your major podcasting apps. That's what it is. Podcasting apps. Okay. <laughs> Make sure you listen and subscribe to My Plate is Always Full on all of your major new <laughs> Oh my god. Actually have to pee. Okay. <sighs> <sighs>